On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan and Indo Askeliga. Time imon irukti yen of chakt erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter thing. Skilti fis turmi. Tashi dochrecha nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kestin ekol. Vien talam aginam griv orkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby Podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. A warning. Today's podcast discusses child abuse and murder. Today on the Indo Daily, murder, abuse and global stardom. The Gypsy Rose Blanchard story. I remember my mom said happy endings are not just in fairy tales, they're real. July 27, 1991. Didi Blanchard gave birth to a healthy baby girl. Life seemed good for Didi, her husband Rod, and their daughter Gypsy Rose. But she was beautiful and perfectly yeah. healthy. Yeah, she was. I see you. You want to blow me a kiss? Very good. But behind the smiles, all was not what it seemed. Gypsy Rose was ill, or so everyone was led to believe. Could she have been poisoning you in some way to keep you sickly? Could she have been over-medicating you to keep you weak? It's a possibility. Slowly, the story of Gypsy Rose and her serious health issues began to unravel, until a gruesome night in 2015 that would change everything for the Blanchard family forever. Do you know how many times you stabbed her? Uh, four. You stabbed her four? Yeah, four times. Okay. The fourth one, I, I felt it go into, I think it might have been her lungs. Okay. it was harder to get out. Okay. But this is not the end of the story. I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Dara Nolan, reporter with the Irish Independent, to discuss the lifelong story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard and the circumstances that have led to her newfound internet stardom. 
Dara, if people have been detoxing from social media over Christmas and the New Year's period, they may have missed out on the curious tale of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Who is she and why are we hearing so much about her? So Gypsy Rose Blanchard was born in Louisiana uh, in 1991 and she was raised there by her mother Claudine uh, Blanchard, uh, more commonly known as Dee Dee Blanchard. And when Gypsy Rose was just three months old, her mother started telling doctors that she had very serious health problems. And throughout her childhood then, it appeared that she was suffering from a lot of serious conditions, muscular dystrophy, epilepsy, sleep apnea, severe asthma and uh, very severe uh, hearing and vision problems as well. And those close to the family were told that she had the mental capacity of a seven-year-old. So seemingly a, a quite a sad story about a very sick child. Um, and then she, there was also people told that she was terminally ill with leukemia. And looking at Gypsy Rose when she was a child, it was a very easy story to believe. She was very frail looking, uh, very malnourished looking, and she looked like a very sick child who, as her mother was saying, she was always out of breath. So it was an easy story to believe at the time. She was actually wheelchair bound as well. Yes, seemingly um, she was. She was bound to a wheelchair, and that was that was another part of it too. But um, as we later learned, and as you said, the curious case of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, that um, wasn't the case at all. Yeah. So what? Who was the actual person who who had a condition here? The actual person who had a condition here was, in fact, the mother, Dee Dee. So Dee Dee had a condition called Munchausen's by proxy uh, or facetious disorder imposed on another, as it's now known. Uh, people might be familiar with Munchausen's as a mental illness where someone deceives others into thinking that they have a serious illness. But in this case, it was Dee Dee convincing people that her child, Gypsy Rose, had a lot of serious illnesses. And this is a very serious form of child abuse. And in the case of Dee Dee Blanchard, she convinced not just doctors, but also Gypsy Rose herself as well, that she had these serious conditions like muscular dystrophy, leukemia, epilepsy and problems with her sight. And in fact, Gypsy Rose has none of these illnesses at all and even now is physically and psychologically healthy person. You had a feeding tube inserted. Yes, sir. Looking back, are you suspect as to what she might have been putting in that tube? It does pique my curiosity because I don't know all the names of the medications that I was on. Could she have been poisoning you in some way to keep you sickly? Could she have been over-medicating you to keep you weak? It's a possibility. And how was Didi getting away with this? I mean, surely this would have been picked up on by medical professionals to say, look, there's nothing wrong with the child. So there was a couple of things that she did to kind of keep up the ruse. One that really stood to her was that living in Louisiana, she was able to tell doctors uh, when they later moved to Missouri that her medical records were lost in Hurricane Katrina. And to keep up the lie about the leukemia, for example, um, she kept shaving uh, Gypsy Rose's head. Um, and for all the world, it looked like she was a very sick child when in fact she wasn't. So those were two things that very much were able to keep up the lie for Dee Dee. She told me that I couldn't speak during a doctor's appointment. She would tell me, you know, sit in the wheelchair, play with your Barbie dolls, and let me talk and don't interrupt. My mother told the doctors that I was mentally incompetent. Therefore, they thought, you know, she won't know what she's talking about. She's got the mind of like a, a child. Now, there was actually though, a financial benefit for Didi to, to have this charade going on. 
Yes, absolutely. And it seemed that a key motivating factor behind it was money. So at one point, um, Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose actually met the country music star Miranda Lambert, uh, and they were handed a a cash donation by Miranda of uh, $3,500 for her medical treatment, um, which of course wasn't actually happening. And then when they moved to uh, Springfield in Missouri after leaving Louisiana, uh, they got a large number of donations, including after claiming that they'd been caught up in Hurricane Katrina, a home from Habitat for Humanity. And that home had been retrofitted with a, um, a, a wheelchair ramp and a jacuzzi which was supposed to ease those medical conditions that Gypsy Rose in fact didn't have. They were also lucky enough to get a paid trip to Disneyland paid for by the Make-A-Wish Foundation and all of uh, Gypsy Rose's medical conditions uh, were taken care of by the federal medical program Medicaid and Rod Blanchard, her biological father, also paid child support and there was people close to the family, friends and neighbours who were also duped into helping out as well. So all this time, the the lie just keeps on getting deeper and deeper. But at the same time, Gypsy Rose is obviously becoming increasingly aware that she is not, in fact, ill and that this is all a a ruse by her mother. How does she go about unraveling this position that she's in? So as time goes on, as you said, she does kind of begin to learn what is really going on and understanding that she's not sick at all. And she later said that she wanted to be free of her mother. And as Gypsy Rose gets a bit older, in, in 2012, she meets Nicholas Goodijon on a Christian dating website and a romance begins to blossom between the two. And over a period of two and a half years, they exchange text messages and then eventually they do meet for the first time in March of 2015 in a movie theatre in Springfield. Uh, he was visiting from from Wisconsin. And then the relationship develops even more. It becomes physical in nature and that leads to explorations of kind of BDSM fantasies and a lot of explicit messages going back and forth. And the pair spoke a lot about Gypsy's relationship with her mother and Gypsy spoke a lot about how she wanted to be free of her mother. It's physical abuse as well that the mother is carrying out upon Gypsy Rose at this stage. Indeed, yeah. So Gypsy Rose goes through her childhood. She's left malnourished and that's part of kind of keeping up the lie of her of her sickness. And yes, she's she's beaten, she's chained to the bed. So very much a case of not just psychological abuse, but physical abuse as well. Yeah. So what sort of plans do Gypsy Rose and Nicholas Goudijan start hatching in their own heads about how to deal with this situation? So the initial hope is that Gypsy Rose will be able to introduce Nicholas to her mother and that she'll approve and that everything will go well. But Dee Dee doesn't approve of him, forbids Gypsy Rose from ever seeing him again. And of that, Gypsy Rose herself said that her mother was jealous of her. And then it's at that point that they uh, begin fantasize about killing Dee Dee, uh, something that they refer to as their plan B. It started off as a hypothetical idea, but uh, fantasy very much became reality very quickly as Gypsy Rose got more desperate to get away from her mother. Things took a turn in 2015 when prosecutors say Gypsy Rose and her then boyfriend, Nicholas Godijohn, hatched a plot to kill her mother. I played a part in asking him to commit the murder. Nicholas Goudijan, he also has low IQ, he's on the spectrum, so who exactly is leading the way here in terms of hatching these plans? So as the plan develops, it very much becomes a case of Gypsy Rose convincing Nicholas that he will be the one to carry out the deed. And they have a conversation about carrying out the murder about a year before it actually happens. 
and then Gypsy Rose decides I'll provide him with the murder weapon and that he will actually carry out the bidding and then their plan was once they had killed Dee Dee that they would be able to leave and start a new life and it was very much kind of planning normal things like finding a place to live and starting a family and then that eventually leads to the fateful day June 14th 2015 when the plan becomes a reality. Okay so explain to us what happens then on the day. So Gypsy Rose and Dee Dee are together and they're sitting down, painting their nails, doing something very normal and Gypsy is trying her best to not rouse any suspicion with her mother and then Dee Dee goes to bed, Gypsy Rose leaves the door open so that Nicholas can enter the house and then she provides him with the murder weapon which was a knife. Gypsy Rose hides in the bathroom and she listens as Nicholas uh, rather brutally uh, kills Dee Dee uh, by stabbing her 17 times while she lies asleep in the bed. Do you know how many times you stabbed her? Uh, four. You stabbed her four? Yeah, four times. Okay. The fourth one, I, I felt it go into, I think it might have been her lungs. Okay. Because it was harder to get out. Okay. Um, and then once the deed was done, they packed up to commit to their plan to run away together. Um, and their hope was that they would be able to start a new life but um, in one of the more bizarre details of the case they actually had sex in the house together immediately after the murder took place and Nicholas would later go on to say that by doing that he was able to carry out one of his greatest sexual fantasies. So there's a slight problem with this plan I suppose and that is there's a a dead body uh, of her mother lying there. How did the police find out about the murder and how did they go about investigating it? So what actually leads the police to Dee Dee's body is the actions of Gypsy Rose herself. So she went on a Facebook account that she shared with her mother. Two disturbing messages were left on Dee Dee's Facebook page. The victim's Facebook page, which she shared with her daughter, had a post stating, The bee is dead. Friends of Dee Dee saw that post online. They immediately became concerned. And then they arrived at the house themselves and nobody was home at all, which was very unusual because everybody thought... First of all, that Gypsy Rose was wheelchair bound and also that Dee Dee wasn't there to look after her. So they became concerned. They called the police and then they enter the property with a warrant. And that's where they find Dee Dee's body. And again, because Gypsy Rose is wheelchair bound, nobody's quite sure where she is. Nobody's quite sure if she's safe or not. And the assumption is given her physical condition that she's been abducted. And then um, an IP address search leads them to where the Facebook post was made from, which was inside the house. And that leads them to Gypsy Rose and Nicholas. A missing 19-year-old has been found safe in another state. They found Gypsy in Wisconsin. She is okay. Uh, We do have another person of interest in custody. And Gypsy Rose herself said that the Facebook post was written to sound the alarm so that Dee Dee's body wouldn't decompose over time and that she would be able to have a proper funeral. And it's from then on when Gypsy Rose speaks to the police about the murder but also the years of abuse that she'd suffered at the hands of her mother, that people begin to learn the full extent of what her life had been like up to now. So when this goes to trial, does the prosecution factor that into the the context, the background here, the abuse by her mother through her life? Is that part of their thinking in terms of what they, they charge her with? Absolutely, yeah. So a charge of murder in the state of Missouri can carry the death penalty and that was immediately thrown out by the prosecutor um, because of the highly unusual circumstances uh, of the case. And this is when the public becomes first aware of the extent of the abuse that Gypsy Rose had been suffering at the time. So 
medical reports that come out during the trial uh, note that she'd been forced to take medication as part of her abuse and that saw her lose her teeth. She was fitted with a feeding tube even though she didn't need one which made her life very difficult and she'd obviously been wheelchair bound for most of her life even though she could walk and there was the leukemia factor as well where she had been forced to pretend she was terminally ill and having her head shaved. So Gypsy Rose, given the leniency that she'd been offered in July 2016, accepts a plea bargain for second degree murder and is sentenced to 10 years in prison. And uh, her own attorney then following that sentence said that it was a testament to the amount of abuse that we uncovered that her mother was heaping upon her. So definitely some some leniency in the case offered to her. What about Nicholas Goudijan then? Not quite the same level of leniency. Gypsy Rose testified and she did say that she talked him into the murder, but because he wasn't considered to be a victim of abuse in the same way that Gypsy Rose was, he wasn't offered the same level of sympathy. He is still currently serving a life sentence for that first degree murder of Dee Dee Blanchard. That trial also unveiled some of the more bizarre elements of their relationship. Um, So a lot of very normal text messages about love and sex and planning a life together Uh, but then in June 2015 that's when they start seriously discussing how they plan to murder Gypsy Rose's mother and their kind of BDSM fantasies also took a very dark turn they seemed to have kind of dark alter egos that they would talk about Nicholas would talk about his evil side and how he enjoyed killing and um, Gypsy Rose had a kind of an alter ego that they referred to as Ruby There's a, a master and slave dynamic going on there. There's a there's a contract exchange. So it is a very deep and, and dark relationship that they engage in. But then you have this this schism towards the end where she effectively testifies uh, and cuts a deal for herself. What of Nicholas Goudijan and their relationship? So their relationship wasn't long for this world after um, the pair were arrested and they eventually split up. But... Uh, Gypsy Rose has since found love again. In fact, while she was still in prison, um, she got into contact with Ryan Anderson, who is a middle school uh, special education teacher who is also from her native Louisiana. A romance kind of blossomed after they started writing letters to each other. And in July of 2022, while Gypsy Rose was still behind bars, um, they got married. What kind of life does she have behind bars? So, and it's not surprising given the life that she'd led uh, before going to prison. She underwent a a lot of therapy and counselling during her time in prison. Um, But because of how the case had really kind of captured the attention of so many people, it does get the true crime treatment as well. In May 2017, there is a HBO documentary, Mommy Dead and Dearest. And then 2019, um, Hulu brings out The Act, which is a fictionalized version. Um, Joey King bagged a, an Emmy nomination for her betrayal of Gypsy Rose. Patricia Arquette plays Dee Dee Blanchard. And then the real life Gypsy Rose in 2017 appears on Dr. Phil from behind bars and starts to go public about the extent of the abuse that she suffered and also talks about the murder itself and doesn't shy away from her involvement in it and the fact that she did it. At the time, I knew that I was being abused, but I didn't know exactly what kind of abuse it was. I just knew that I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things. And my mother was the reason. She would force me to be in a wheelchair and force me to go to doctor's appointments that I didn't need. 
and I just wanted that life to stop. So ultimately, I never wanted her dead. I just wanted that life to stop, that life to be dead, the life I was living. It also goes along with a lot of other media appearances, the likes of Good Morning America and other national news programs. So certainly um, thrusting herself into the spotlight, given the amount of attention around her. And then another twist on New Year's Eve. Yes. So Gypsy Rose Blanchard has been let out of prison early. Um, She served eight out of the 10 years for the second degree murder of her mother. And now the flurry of media attention ramps up all over again. After eight years behind bars for her mother's murder, Gypsy Rose Blanchard, now a free woman. Hey everyone, happy New Year's Eve. Has there been any expression of remorse from her, regret about what happened or or what what space is she in there? Yes, absolutely. Much like in the Dr. Phil interview where she doesn't shy away from her involvement, she has kind of said that she shouldn't have done what she did. Um, She told People magazine that she feels her mother didn't deserve what happened to her and acknowledged that she was a sick woman who had a condition. Uh, And she spoke about how her desperation to get out of an abusive relationship is what led her to convince her then boyfriend to carry out that murder. Um, But she shared a message to people who were dealing with similar situations and pled with them and said, that may seem like the only avenue that's available to you, but you can do anything else but don't take this course of action so very much owning her responsibility for what she did and also pleading with people in similar situations please don't do what I did What sort of public reaction has there been over the course of the the last week since she announced that, that she has been released from prison? So her internet celebrity has really just exploded she's really just become a sort of a sort of folk hero really it's reaction that you wouldn't expect for a woman who has served prison time for the murder of her mother. She has almost taken on the life of an influencer. She posted her first uh, photo out of prison on Instagram, her first photo of freedom, she said, and there was influencers and brands commenting, kind of celebrating her freedom. And even the uh, the official account for uh, the Bratz dolls, if anybody remembers them, commented, slay my girly. So very much an overwhelmingly positive reaction uh, to her getting out of prison and, and a huge storm of attention as well. Will she be able to make a career out of this from social media, from a book deal, from presumably other authorised and and paid for interviews. So there has been that documentary that was released in the last couple of days, um, a a six-parter that was already in the works in the months before her release and and has now come out. And the the book deal has already already been completed. Conversations on the Eve of Freedom is already sitting at number four in Amazon's true crime charts of pre-orders alone and releases on January 9th. Um, It certainly looks like she's angling for a career as an influencer. There are rumours from TMZ that she's looking to partner up with Kim Kardashian, whether that will happen is anyone's guess. Uh, Rumours abound about future book deals, more TV, more films. 
there was rumours as well that um, she might try and go to a Kansas City Chiefs game. She's living in Kansas City at the moment to try and meet her idol Taylor Swift. And Taylor Swift is a hype train that shows no signs of stopping. And look, the reality uh, in this day and age is that someone with that big of a social media following can very easily, by hooking up with different brands, turn that following into thousands of dollars per post, whether brands will want to work with someone who is associated with such a grim crime, perhaps not, but based on the overwhelming positive public reaction, it's anybody's guess really at this point. And my thanks to Darren Nolan for joining me. I'm Fionn Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Keen O'Brien and Ian Doyle, with sound by Rory Bones. Archive clips from the Springfield News Leader, ABC News, Dr. Phil, Hulu, KY3 News and CNN. If you've been affected by this podcast, you can find a list of helplines by searching Someone to Talk To at the Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel 0818-715-715.